Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. How are we all doing? You're very welcome along to the GR with me, Darren O'Sullivan. I'm delighted to be joined by Joe.ie, Sports Joe, very own Niall McIntyre and Lee Costello. How are you doing, boys? Good, Darren. All good, Darren. All good. How are all the holidays, Lee? Yeah, brilliant, man. Brilliant. I'm sorry I missed the first week, but then I seen Ross Common beating Tyrone, and now I'm not sorry. Yeah, I kind of made a mistake last week by tipping Tyrone for relegation, so um, I might leave the predictions <laughs> off this week. I see you were very brave when I wasn't there. Yeah, well, that was it. I said, you know what, I'm going to get in there now. And look, I suppose Tyrone win and all of a sudden you're back on the show. No coincidence, I suppose. Come in for the handy mm, show. Yeah. <laughs> I won't it's be here next week. Absent last week. <laughs> I know, with the split season, you think you'd plan your holidays a bit better. <laughs> I said, I have no commitment, lad. That's why I never meet a county or a club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just couldn't commit to it. You're too much of a free spirit. But um, there's actually a pile of talking points. Um, I, I just, I, we were saying last year that we thought this year was going to be a really open season, and it, it's kind of working out that way really early as well. The results are really inconsistent. Teams are beating each other all over the place from Division Four all the way up to Division One. You're looking at a Kildare looked impressive against Dublin. Cork looked awful against Mead, and then Cork travelled up to to Kildare and give him a good beating above there. Tyrone, who I would maybe prematurely write off because their defeat to Roscommon, going have a great win against Donegal, who'd beaten Kerry the following week. Um, and even going down the divisions, Derry were nearly caught by Longford, who or Terry nearly caught by, by Lowe, sorry. Now, yeah. yeah, and then Longford, who had a great Burn Cup, going get beaten by 20 points by Westmead. So... Loads to talk about. Um, can't really put my finger on why it is so inconsistent so far. But what do you reckon, lads? I suppose it's probably the the early stages of the league. Um, the, in the first round, teams, you know, it's it's probably a bit of a shock to the system, maybe, for some teams. And some teams, they can start brilliantly, um, like Donegal did last week, for for example. But um, it is it's it's mad how um inconsistent the the whole. I suppose kind of trail of results are 
um in the fir- in the first two two rounds so it's it's hard to put your finger on it but that that Kildare one is probably the most um shocking like we we were singing their praises in, in some ways last week and then that was some hiding to get at home wasn't it really oh, yeah i think like, yeah, like, sorry there seems to be a correlation as well just even with home games and away games like the travel and all like i don't know if it's early in the season like you know Tron got the first win in healy park um you know Kerry, i think we're at home this week as well like it, it just seems to make that little bit more of a difference uh a lot of teams with new managers you know trying things out experimenting uh there's a lot of personnel change and then you know you got to take in the weather too like it was wait every season last week and like you know each game one was sunny one was teaming down like it's it's a lot to to sort of survive through like that's why we always say the leagues that would be the best in the summer but we'll have it now in the winter so have to make do yeah and i suppose with all the positives there's a there's a bit of negative talk now about the injuries. Uh, Colin Murrock had a good cut off it now the weekend, and look, he has a point. He was on about um, I think his quote was, "There are two of them now injured with hamstrings. It's a pure overuse injury. It's a disgrace. It's an abuse of players." Um, he has a point, but it is the same for everyone. Um, I can understand a manager like him. He's new into the job, and in fairness, uh, we said it before about him and McStay. They've come from a nice number in RT. And put themselves in the firing la- firing line, and you know they're trying to build a bit of momentum, so they're obviously going to play their best players. But I, I don't know—is there any way around it? Um, no, it's not just college players getting injured as well. There was a couple of bad ones on the weekend. Damian Comer doesn't look too good. Mm-hmm. Um, he looked bad, and there was a couple of bad injuries over the last couple of weeks. Kieran Byrne, Connor Sweeney is going to be a huge loss for um, Tipperary, Barry O'Hagan. You know, I the hamstrings is an overuse one. I've had enough injuries myself, but. Is there any way around it, or do they just play the Sigerson before Christmas? I'm not too sure. Well, well, the hamstring one, the two, the two mead boys um dropped with the hamstrings. I was actually at the DCU match last Tuesday. They were playing um MTU, which is Cork IT, um in the Sigerson quarter final, and so that was that was it was less than forty eight hours after they'd beaten um Cork that Sunday in the league, and and Matthew Costello and Shane Walsh were both um playing again and you know we were only thinking going up to that match like geez, that that's some quick turnaround like between the long journey to Cork only two days and two very important games as well and sure as it turned out Costello went off with the hamstring about five minutes into the second half and you could see the disappointment in his face and Shane Walsh like he he he, he was still decent at centre forward and he's a DCU captain but he didn't look like the same player as he did on Sunday um obviously enough and so then 13 minutes into the game this weekend, he pulls the hamstring. So that is, um, it's very disappointing to see, I suppose, but there's there's probably, there's not too many ways around it. Um, I've seen Davy Burke left Ben O'Carroll, who was his star um, the last day for us common. <clears throat> he left him uh, on the bench and brought him on with, with in the second half and, and he came on and made a big impact. So I suppose that is one way of managing it and, Colm Rourke was give, was given out about it and like it is it is a fair point. But I suppose as as a county manager, like you probably do have enough players so that you can you can manage lads load a little bit like Davy Burke did. So um it's a difficult one, but um I suppose, yeah, I don't know. What do, what do you think, Lee? Is there a way around it in terms of Darren mentioned they're starting it before Christmas and I seen Peter Canavan was was saying that um this morning too. 
Yeah, well, before Christmas, just with the split season now, the only thing it would really be competing with is sort of the Club All Ireland series. So you might still lose a couple of players to to that, but obviously far less. I mean, I I think it makes sense to have it before Christmas because was, was it last year? Isn't it Tommy Conroy? He did his cruciate in uh, Sigerson and like look at the yeah. impact that that had you know for the rest of the season for me. Oh, like everyone's talking like Ren O'Donoghue got injured as well, and then suddenly there are two forwards down and. The whole talk is that they can't score. Um, like it has a huge knock-on effect, and Colm work, you know, like is every right to be annoyed? But then at the same time, how much responsibility does he have to manage these players? Like knowing that like Shane played, how much that he played in the in, in the recent uh, week. So like, who, is he blaming? I don't think he is having a go at the at the university managers. Just more at the actual setup itself, but. You know, there's there's only so much time in the year. I'm, I'm not sure what the right answer is. Yeah, the, yeah. the only thing I'd say about the the sorry, Darren, the like the cruciate one, say the Tommy Connery one, like they they can be just you know sometimes it's just bad luck. Like if we seen mm. Connor Sweeney and Kieran Byrne both did the cruciates last week. They had no cigars, and so I suppose sometimes it is just a bit of a freak, and an injury can happen. Like, yeah, a lot of the like I was just looking at the knee injuries. They are freak injuries, and none of them boys. It's secrets and relate or whatever, but even the hamstring one, someone go, ah, it's muscle, it's overuse, overuse. Just with the season being so short now, one decent hamstring injury, and your season's more or less up scuttled. It's more or less gone because hamstring, you're going to be between eight and twelve weeks maybe, and then psychologically, the trust isn't there for another couple of weeks after you're back. Like you could be three months there, so three months you're into, you're you're into April May. And you're trying to get up to 100% at championship level after missing a lot of football. And it's hard going. Oh, that's, a, that's the only bother with the split season. It is very condensed. It's very short. And one decent muscle injury, more or less done and dusted. It's very hard to get back up to 100%. You had a lot of them in your time there, did you? Um, hamstring injuries. Yeah, I had a good few in my latter years. To be fair, I it all came after my... They started coming, do you know what, they actually, they all started coming after 2011, I, my best year, and it was a long year, and 2012 was the first time I started actually being in bother with it. Um, I can't remember initially, but I do remember we were, we went up to Westmead in the qualifiers, and I had the injury, so I was on the bench, and they brought me on because we weren't going well. I remember getting a goal and doing it, another job in it. And coming out and Gooch was actually telling me to focus or whatever and all this. And I just said to him, oh, my hammer's gone. And he goes, well, you're not going off now. And I was like, all right, grand. So I stayed on for another five, ten minutes. We got another couple of scores and went off again. And we played Tyrone, actually, in the qualifiers after. But I was coming on and off, you know, with this hamstring. But that was the first time I, I'd actually, I lasted ten seasons without missing a, game, a championship game for all my mm-hmm. supposed injury troubles. But it all came after I got the hip done. In 2000, the end of 2013, okay. I got the hip done. And 2014, I think seven times, I did some sort of either strain or grade one. Nothing serious, but a strain here will keep you off for a week or two, and a grade one, maybe two or three weeks. And then I tore a tendon leading up to the Mayo Game Championship. And... It was kind of misdiagnosed or whatever, so I missed it. That was the first time I'd ever missed a championship game for Kerry. The mm. 
the Mayo games. And I think that it was the end of that year then I was, of course, trying to burst the gut for the club and get back playing. And I tore all the tendons up high in my hamstring. I remember having to be stretchered off um, playing for the club. But it was it was after that. But it lasted 10 years. It all came from the hip and the back after 10 years of playing. But silly ones, like the strains here and there. But the confidence, when you get a bit older and the confidence in the... In the in the body then to be at hit 100 percent you're but, um, still are you still playing with the club now darren like how are the hamstrings holding up or how did they hold up even i last haven't i've not had a hamstring injury in jeez i don't know i haven't had a hamstring injury since i retired anyway um maybe it's because i'm right. not moving fast enough anymore but uh <laughs> <laughs> i was playing up to last year um don't think i'll be going back this year um it's more the generally it's back in the hips be just mm. stiff and whatever and just can't take the load anymore but uh, we'll see how it goes it'll take the next couple of months off anyway and see how the body is but it's it's unbelievable when you can manage your own load like I'd be good to train anyway and um, and the club never put me under pressure to train they know they knew I'd be fit and I'd do my own thing and when you can manage your own load and do the training that suits you all my injuries cleared away so, so what was that like doing hamstring rehab stuff focusing on that in the gym a lot or how did you kind of no, get, get clear never, of it no just do like just take it like i couldn't my biggest problem i couldn't take the load of into county like um you know because it was heavy metal like you do the gym is no about it but you train on tuesday night and like i'd be so stiff i wouldn't be ready on a thursday but we'd be training and then you're going into training at maybe only 70 percent, and you get through it but then you're going again on saturday or sunday you were just never, I couldn't, my body couldn't recover quick enough. Mm. Um, and that was the bother. And then you get fatigued, you get stiff. And the jerkeen who was our physio at the time, he used to always say he'd know if I had an injury coming because my back used to be so tight. It was inevitable. It was coming down the line. Like, yeah. But I just couldn't, I couldn't loosen out. Like it used to be a bit of a competition. I'd say with the physio, I was trying to get a crack out of my back, but it was just so <laughs> tight they'd be going hammering tongues trying to get a crack and if they got any bit of a crack they'd be delighted but I used to just be like like a ball of muscle just tensed up and I just couldn't get it released it was that kind of down today it was like the Michael Owen thing he used to pull them and it's it's often the the faster players that pulled them like was were they saying that was a, a reason that you had bother with them I yeah, well, if you've any bit of speed like you're going to have the fast twitch muscles and whatever but mine genuinely it, 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 just the hip the hip surgery I got, um, I remember going over to Coventry to get it done and the surgeon actually said, look, your days of doing the same training as everyone else is gone, like you just won't be able for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, back then it was still a kind of one size fits all with training and, you know, when you're trying to push on the team, you're not going to get on the team by sitting on the, watching training every couple of nights. So it was a case of just trying to get back out to shoot, but on my part, you should have been more mature, better better knowledge after being told they wouldn't be able to do it but of course you'd be stubborn and you'd be trying to get fitter and like I'm not going to get fitter sitting on the sidelines mm-hmm. and you know making the same mistakes over and over again so it's that, knock, knows, but... it's that knock on effect too isn't it like so you're having trouble with your hip you start overloading elsewhere yeah. and then it gets hurt and then there's another knock on effect and it just sort of like dominoes that's kind of what it is but Look, lads, we're going to get off this topic now because you're going to be talking <laughs> about the, the end of my career. We're going to talk about our man Mayo first. I was there going, this podcast is very depressing tonight. <laughs> um, but um, our man Mayo, good game, 
good scoring, I actually tip Mayo to win it. There's something about, like I always say there's something about Mayo, but I was delighted to see Aidan Shea full forward. Um, said it here a few times. Like, I just couldn't understand a fella with his abilities. If you just stick with him in there. No, he's a very useful out to field as well, obviously, but he was very, he was very um good yesterday. He's a great ball winner. He won a good mark, got a good score, got one from play. But his movement was good. Um, Armagh showed great character to come back. But it was a good game. Two teams I do think will be competing at the business end of the year. What do you reckon, Lee? Yeah, um, I, I was delighted to see you in O'Shea full forward. Um, one of the things I was really looking forward to when Kevin McStay took over, because in commentary over recent years, he, he's always said that, like I think he said in the Mayo podcast, I think that um, he doesn't see him playing anywhere else and that like he would get someone else to do sort of the dog work and Aiden takes a lot of the slack and a lot of the blame you know for Mayo's feelings in recent years but like if you look at it even just logically in, in the All-Ireland final against Drone he was centre half forward then in the league the following season he was playing with number six like centre half back like a false six sort of position then come championship he was number eight midfield you know and then because of the split season that was something like three positions three very different roles within like six seven months of each other, you know, like he's been pulled every direction. Um, McStay always said that he'd be playing up front. And the other reason that it was so beneficial is that, you know, they just kick the ball a little bit more under him. They, they don't sort of do the whole running thing under James Horn, playing it through the hands. Um, and Aiden's never going to kick you eight points, nine points, ten in a game. You know, that's just not his game. But he's just such a constant nuisance. And I don't know if, like, they say that, like, Mayo doesn't have corner forwards or they're missing forwards and that's why they're not scoring. But I'm just wondering... Maybe it was the system and they were always, you know, give it to the shooter, get into the right zones because they were being very brave against Armagh. They took a lot of scores or a lot of shots from, you know, really far out, mad ranges. And a lot of them dropped short and there was Aiden, you know, like a plan B causing havoc. Um, And nearly the biggest attribute of having him there is the amount of fouls he wins because he's so good at getting out in front and he's so strong from a standing position. The defenders nearly come in on top of him. And you've, he's won them two, three scorable frees. And you've got Ryan O'Donoghue and Killian uh, O'Connor. Like, you know, they're the best dead ball uh, kickers in the game nearly. So he'll, he'll be very effective for them in that position. Yeah, I always just thought, you know, like when he was out around the middle, he's a, he's a fit man as well. Like he's covering big distances. He's an unbelievable tackler. And I was there going, if you stick with him in full forward and he gets used to the role and he starts covering that type of ground, over and back around the 21. I, I don't think there's a full-back in the country that could hold him. He's just so powerful. And he's a, he's a much better footballer than people give him credit for at times. Um, Like I said, he tends to get most of the blame mm-hmm. when things don't go right for Mayo. But it's definitely more positive watching Mayo at the moment. They are looking to be a bit more direct. And we, we kind of always give out about Mayo and, oh, they don't have the forwards. If you start naming out their forwards now... Yeah. They're a different calibre at the moment. They're lively. They're good kickers. They're good scorers. And you throw in someone like Aidan O'Shea, who, like you said, he's not going to be getting seven, eight points a game, but he could easily assist it. Yeah. Um, and he takes the pressure off the likes of uh, O'Donoghue or even Killian inside there of having to win their own ball, beat their man, and then score. Whereas he could do a lot of that heavy, heavy metal winning ball, getting fouled, tap over freeze, and just his quick hands from the basketball as well. So... Um, it was all positive for me. Oh, the only bother is Niall, uh, 67 minutes and they're up by five and you're kind of, how didn't they win this game? 
yeah yeah they, they they should have closed it out from there um i even thought they were they were more impressive this week um against armad than they were against galway um i thought they were maybe lucky to get the, the draw against galway but um they were they were very good um uh, this weekend and a lot of it you would put it down to um Aidan O'Shea. Uh he was like like uh like the two of you said, he was he was the plan B there. I mean they don't have Lee Keegan bombing up getting scores um to kind of dig them out of holes now. So they do need um another dimension and O'Shea definitely offers that. He's out in front winning ball, he lays it off, he wins frees and um that just gives something something extra to them. Um, they should have closed it out. Uh, Armagh, in fairness, Armagh had had faded out of the game um, for a lot of the second half, but they they just got on a bit of a run late on, and Rean O'Neill stepped up with two good frees. But the whole team um, improved. So um, yeah, no, it was um, it was disappointing, and, and Mayo, I suppose, towards the finish, like Owen McLaughlin made a, a very silly. Um, shot late on, and I seen Killian O'Connor was uh, he he was he was after passing the ball. He was a bit flabbergasted about that. But um, look, Mayo didn't lose. They'd be disappointed they didn't win. But um, as always, it was uh, very entertaining. Yeah, I just I just thought with the McLaughlin shot, obviously it wasn't on. You have shooters around you, the likes of Killian O'Connor. I think McSay actually came out that they would have preferred it. Obviously, be recycled, got to a shooter, but. I think that's one of the old habits that will take a bit of time to get used to. I suppose for so long, the halfbacks were given license to bomb on at every opportunity. And most of them would take three or four shots every game. And we, we've talked about it last year, the amount of shots that probably came from their backs. We used to be giving out about their their scoring percentages, but a lot of the shots were from distance from the defender. So like, you're, he's not going to be stopping them shooting, but it is about looking inside you have enough shooters in there at the moment Mayo for probably the first time in a while like Conroy still come back as well James Carr looks like he's added a bit of bulk he's a powerful unit inside I don't know who seems to be getting better and obviously Killian O'Connor looked very sharp again the last day and he's going to be a big plus from obviously missed so much last year and, and Aidan O'Shea but um, I suppose Armagh as well like Armagh just played this bit of a wild game as well it's very loose it's very free um, obviously you have Rafferty then playing this sweeper, keeper, um, quarterback, sh- shooter. Um, it's brilliant to watch, but can you, is it safe enough to be winning championships, Lee, or is it going to come back to bite them, you know, in the bigger games? Yeah, like, I mean, from a neutral point of view, well, a semi-neutral, I never want to see Armad doing too well, but... <laughs> Ethan Rafferty is just—he's just so fascinating to watch. Like that—that that late kick out that he won, you know, from like his opposition number late in the game was just—it was incredible to watch. And then he—he he takes players on and he breaks through. Um, but there were times where it nearly did come back to bite them. I mean, he had that was—was was he taking a short free or a, or a kick out and it went straight into the hands of Killian O'Connor? The—the the goal was just backing him, you know, it was calling for him, and you've got it into the hands of maybe the most lethal shooter in the game and he just pops it over you know still coming into the game if he was just a little bit sharper out a bit more game time that was going to be a goal and in championship that that goal would have been uh the difference in the end and uh, they play this sort of gung-ho style of football um it's like i say it's very exciting and it did pay dividends you know because you know they got them scores at the end 
very nearly got a goal. Um, I just don't know. Like, you, you come on stuck. Like, I remember against Donegal in the Ulster Championship. I know they got them again later in the qualifiers. They just looked, you know, when the kicking wasn't working, there was just no plan B. They didn't know what to do, and, and they can find themselves very frustrated. They've somehow avoided playing Derry in Ulster, and obviously because Derry's in Division 2, they don't play them in the league. But I'd be very fascinated to see how they cope with, with a team like like a Rory Gallagher setup team, you know, when they're not going to get a lot of the spills and you know, maybe the benefits of chaos cause, just because of how organised that Derry are. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they go. But I suppose just going back to Mayo before we move on, um, I think McStay will be very happy. Look, they've two tough games. They have two points on the board, but obviously two weeks' time now, Kerry will be travelling up. But I just think Mayo are going to... Another week and a half of good work before they play Kerry, I think it'll be a, a very good game up there. And look, we'll go down to Kerry now. Um, Kerry got up onto winning ways against Monaghan. I actually went up to it. Um, Great atmosphere up at it now. In fairness, it was a great day for the game as well. Um, Kerry looked sharp, but you'd be very worried about Monaghan. Um, I know they're missing a few players, but defensively just disappeared. Um, and in fairness, I know they, they kicked 14 points in the end, but a lot of them came late in the game when the game was done and dusted. And to be honest, it just looked like Kerry were just setting up not to concede gold at that stage. But from a Kerry point of view, they look sharp. Um, they were incredibly efficient up to about 50 odd minutes and then a bit of tiredness and maybe the wrong options but there was a period there just after half time I think they kicked 1-4 from 5 attempts um, and they're they're pulling out new forwards the worrying thing for maybe if I'm Killian Spillane or Tony Brazen who did start they didn't get trusted in the inside line at all the last day they went with uh, Don Sullivan who was making his debut, his first start, and Dara Roach, who played the last two games. And the one thing I'll say is, you take their scores out of it, they showed for hard ball, and they won hard ball. And if you're Killian Spillane or Tony Brazen, who has played deeper, I'd never seen him play that role before, but more of his playmaker, you're probably going, are the boys jumping ahead of me in the queue? But uh, back to Monaghan, I think I think Monaghan are in trouble. I think they're going to, like they've dodged the bullet the last couple of years, and, just think this year could be a step too far for him. What do you reckon, Niall? Yeah, um, they are. They're one of the longest um, serving teams in Division One. They've been like it's it's amazing that they've 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 been there for the last eight or nine years, and it's it's a real credit to them. Like, but this year it, it does seem to be catching up on them. Um, they're obviously missing McManus. McCarran pulled his hamstring last week. Niall Kearns and, and McInespy are both gone this year. They're both gone traveling. Um, Carl O'Connell wasn't playing at the weekend. And I suppose a lot of these players are are probably they're pushing on. Like Conor McManus is 36 now. Um there's there's obviously there's there's a lot more to come from Jack McCarron when he gets when he gets back. But I suppose that golden era that Monin had, um it's it's pro it's 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 come towards um an end and Look, there were there were some positives from them. Like they're a very gritty team, and like they never they're they're brave and they never shirk a challenge. And like they didn't make it easy for Kerry. Um, I thought Stephen O'Hanlon was uh, exceptional for Monaghan. He got three points from play, and just the speed of him, he's absolutely electric on on the ball. But um, you you would be you would be worried about 
um, Monaghan this year because that's that's two losses now in the league and yeah they were very open yesterday or, or on Sunday and I suppose at Division One you're probably you're you're definitely going to be punished um, like Kerry did to them there at the weekend and Don O'Sullivan and and Dara Roach you you were mentioning them there like they're two very strong men and two bulls of men really and like they're shown for hard ball they're well able to finish um. The O'Sullivan one just seems like a great story. He's his first, um, his Kilgarvan's first ever player to play for Kerry and uh, a junior B play, a junior B club, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, very small club. Um, I was actually up at the game with Kieran O'Leary, and uh, Kieran would have um been involved with Kerry in the twenties a couple of years ago, and he had him, and he was I I didn't actually don't know much about him. Um, heard a few things about him about how direct he is, but I know he impressed me. You now the last day he he was with East Kerry last year, but. Was actually being kept off the East Kerry team by James O'Donoghue. and uh, I think he had a couple of injuries as well. And like that, the, the big thing for me, like I, I wasn't even bothered about the scores. It was just his willingness to show for hardball and win it. Um, he hurt the shoulder as well during the game and just kept plowing on. And I just think early days in the league, and it may sound a bit country, a bit agricultural. A lot of times, the start of the league when it's a bit colder, the weather and the grey and mucky at times. It's just about showing a bit of character, a bit of a bit of want to want to get stuck in, and he showed that. And same with Dar Roach, he's come into the team, got his opportunity, well able to kick a score, winning his own ball. And I suppose just keep kicking on and not overthinking things. And there are more options, and you'd hope that the two boys, obviously coming in and doing well, will kick on other fellas to up their game. But I suppose. Uh, a welcome surprise for everyone at the ground was to see Paddy Clifford on the squad. It maybe could have been given an extra week, but I think the fear of maybe not getting the two points and having to go up to Castle Bar in a couple of weeks and needing two points um, was why he was brought back in. And he got 1-1 on the day. I don't know what you make of the defending for his goal, Lee. Um, it was like the Red Sea opened up. Yeah, it was like the best easiest individual goal he'll ever score like, but I mean he still had so much to do you know like fair play to him he got the ball within his own half and he attacked the space and it's not even the defenders that were in front of him because you know like as soon as one committed the ball over the top which is what Dar- or Potty was looking for initially um, would have played one of the other forwards through but it was just the track and back they just looked so slow and pedestrian trying to get near him and I, I say he couldn't believe his luck by the time he got to the po- he was probably thinking I could run this straight through to the net um, the way things are going, but um, it's it's even just having a bit of a buzz having him about, you know, when when they seen him warming up and you know, oh, Kerry are back sort of thing, and on like the likes of having Donal, and the like, it's it's the sign of a of a new era in terms of a strong team, like you know, the the, the All Ireland wasn't like a one off, like I thought that's where Tyrone struggled, you know, they won the All Ireland and players left and not anyone else was coming through to sort of compete for spaces, but if you look at that, the Dublin era, the six in a row, nearly every single year. There was at least one, probably two new forwards uh, in the starting lineup in all of the finals. You know, like you, you look at the the forwards that, that win the All Ireland, you're like, yeah, they're the best in the game. They're definitely going to be there next year. But then suddenly, you know, Dean Rock starting, and then Paul Mannion comes from nowhere. And then suddenly they've got Conor Callaghan, and this sort of production line keeps going. And then that's what leads to like back to back titles. And I'd say that's nearly the thing Kerry fans would be most pleased about because. You don't want to have this over-reliance on David Clifford and you want to have it in the days when things aren't going your way that you've got these options coming on from the bench. And we, we said last year that it was nearly the bench that won it for them against Galway. So 
to see the strength, you know, in depth there. And even with players like David Warren and stuff leaving, you know, that you've got these this new breed coming through. I, I'd say it's probably what you're most happiest about. So that was the Jim Gavin thing, wasn't it? You have a new player every year and yeah. Kerry seem to have two lads now who are who are primed for that role at, at the minute. Yeah, and they're both at decent age as well. I think Donald's 24 and Dara's a couple of years older, so they're not kids either. They, they should be mature enough now as well. But, uh, but that's the main thing. Every year you win or you have a good year, you need to bring in an extra body or two. It's not like you bring in five or six. It's just one or two, and it might even be coming off the bench. What it does, it just creates more comp- competition inside the squad to be on the 26 initially and then to try and get on the on the starting 15. So like that, the players that are missing might be looking and going, geez, the boys are doing all right up front. Now I better hurry up and get back or whatever it is. So that's all you can do. And the more competition you have, the better. I still think there'll be tougher times ahead for Kerry. I think the trip to Mayo will be a, will be a great game. Um, never an easy place to go. Um, so I think that'll tell a lot. But like that, I just want to mention Tom Sullivan again. The man is an absolute Rolls Royce just cruising around the pitch, throwing the ball over outside the left um, and could have been slipped in for another couple of scores and even a goal yesterday. Uh, only the forwards didn't get it, in, get, it, get it into their hands quick enough. But um, we won't go back over All-Stars from last year, but he's definitely brought his form from last year into this year and looking forward to seeing him drive on again this year. But um, we'll go up to your boys, Lee. The only reason you came back to the show, back to winning ways. <laughs> I, I got a text off Eamon McGee before the weekend saying you had to tip him for relegation the week they're playing Donegal. Um, <laughs> but they just looked so much, they looked like they had more energy the weekend. They looked yeah, like they like prayed, you know, like they, they had an idea what they were doing and stuff. Like, I mean, the fullback position is a bit of an issue. Um, I'm, not, I'm not even sure if Ronan McNamee's injured or if he's left or, or what the situation there, but they've been experimenting with it. Cormac Monroe went. And yes, are on Sunday, and he, he was fantastic. Um, I, I, they just look so much more like a unit, and that they had a clue of what they're doing. And what sort of felt like a, a, for the first time in a long time is that the big names sort of stood up. You know, uh, Dar McCurry got seven points. Derek Yanovan was just fantastic. Like I think he got three, but some of the through balls and stuff he was playing, that you know, and, and the balls he was getting in. Cal McShane wasn't like prolific but he sort of like what we were saying about Aidan O'Shea you know he was winning marks and winning balls and setting things off um they, yeah they just look miles apart and, and that is the league you know because last year or last week we were they were done doomed done dusted you had them relegated and now this week we're saying that about Monaghan and, and, and Donegal you know in, in two weeks time it could be very very different but they've got Galway coming up next and just you know with the injuries the Galway have and stuff you know it would be sort of a, an opportunity to smell blood and really build in this and get points on the board because uh, you don't want to be sort of fighting a relegation battle or having that fear so early in the season. Yeah, like you said, they just look like more of a unit defensively as well, which um, obviously there was a bit of a collapse against Roscommon um, late on the game. So, look, we've, we've named all their players hundreds of times like about how good they are, but no, it's good to see them moving. And like you said, McShane, he actually won a great mark and kicked it over the bar, but just adding a bit more. And uh, Donegal, Niall, after the win against Kerry, but was it a case that Kerry were just really poor on the day? Um, they had nothing done, um, but they just weren't at the races yesterday. No, no, um, they they definitely weren't at the races. And 
it's a very big game. It's you could nearly call it a, a relegation six pointer. Um, next week when they're or the week at, when they're taking on uh, Monaghan, because the two of them. I know you said that you thought Tyrone were going down. We, <laughs> I was laughing. There was someone commenting it'll be stuck up on the Tyrone dressing room wall. You don't have to keep uh, bringing it up either, the two of you. The following right. week, um, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how good the the tip is uh, in a while. But no, I'd say Donegal. Yeah, it was. It was very disappointing. Now this week, after the high of last week, maybe maybe they did get a bit a bit carried away um, after last week's win. Like Paddy Carr was was um very emotional and, and I suppose rightly so for a while but um geez, they they did they looked like a different team um at the weekend and you would be a little bit worried I suppose that the the two young lads um Caleb McColgan and Johnny McGrady they were the stars of the show um against Kerry and they were both substitute but like they're two very young lads so I suppose they are a young team and you will have um little bumps along the road like like that but uh, the Monaghan game is a, a must win for, for the two of those teams uh, next week the, like, just looking at it the, the game against Kerry obviously the conditions are poor it was low scoring but 8 points again they're not getting a great return up front um, I just without Michael Murphy that presence McBrearty is a brilliant player he's captain now I'm just not sure is he going to be in the games enough to carry them through, and it'll be interesting like that. Good one week, bad the next week. It seems to be the the team of the league the first two weeks. But um, we go back to Tyrone Lee because I know you're dying to talk about Rory <laughs> Canavan. Yeah. Um, I, I am. Big thing. No, I am because I, I don't want to. I don't want to put any pressure on the kid at all. But like when you and it's it's not really fair on him. He's like nineteen, and you know. But I was saying like I'm in a few group chats with Jerome fans and stuff. And when he was a late name substitute for to be on the bench because he's been out injured uh, and he missed the whole Sigerson season, like the group chat was hopping. You know, like we everyone was so excited. Like you know, when you've got a promising player with that sort of potential and you've seen what he can do like at club level and things, like it, it has a real uh, booster effect, you know, just on the county. Like it's it's so exciting to see. And I, I was wanting to ask you if, because you when you were involved with Kerry, was there any players sort of coming through the ranks, um, and even from the inside scene where you guys were nearly willing them to come up into senior, and you're like, you can't wait till you see this fella. Because I know there's a lot of false dawns when it comes to minor players and stuff. But was there any sure things coming through you were excited about? Um, yeah, look, you know, you'd always have an up up and coming talent, but. Tommy Walsh was probably the one that sticks out because you knew he was ready yeah. because he was so big and so strong. And if you go back over the games when he came onto the scene in 2008 and 2009, he was bullying grown men and he was only 18, 19 himself. And he was swinging over points off the left, off the right from 30, 40 yards. He was running by fellas. He was unmarkable at the time. And obviously, look, we, we'd have had a lot of, in fairness, during my time with Kerry, there was always a couple of players coming through a year or two after minor. Um, and then obviously later on, then we'd, we had David Clifford coming through, where everyone, look, everyone knew he was a special talent, but still you'd be there going, look, he's obviously dominating a minor level, but going from minor to senior is a big step up, mm-hmm. you know. But um, 
Tommy would have been the first, and obviously when David did come, like you, you knew you had something special coming then as well. But in terms of the two Canavans from a an outsider point of view, it's gonna be it'll be great to see the two boys in action together. Yeah. Um, seeing how lively Dara was yesterday, obviously, I'm kind of taking scores away, but it's more the all round play, the the buzzy runs around the place in and out, the jinking, the vision to see passes, and you add in another player very similar. And having the two of them inside, a ball winner like McShane around the place, and then the energy of a McGeary or Connor Myler outside him. Um it, it should be exciting for Tyrone now. Obviously, look, I wrote him off last week. They just look to be honest, I wrote him off because we haven't seen anything since the All Ireland. Um yesterday, without getting too carried away, was the first time where they showed any bit of form over the last eighteen months. Um so it'll be interesting to see do they kick on again. Um but look, they're definitely a bit happier now. Um, I won't be tipping them for relegation for a while because they'll only go and win again next week. But uh, no, like that, it, it's. I think it's going to be a topsy-turvy league anyway. Uh, teams are going to be trying players out like that, the injuries and stuff like that. So it'll be interesting. And I suppose a team we didn't expect to be top of the pile after two games was Ross Common. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a great win against Galway. Not much of a game now, to be fair. But... Davy Burke won't care. He's two games, four points, and like you said earlier, he actually rested um, players that played in the Sigerson and it paid dividends for him. Yeah. Um, no, it's a brilliant um, start for Roscommon and for Davy Burke with Roscommon. Uh, he's the he's the youngest intercounty manager in the country. He's only he's only 31, 31 or thirty two. And I suppose he, he had great success, won, won in All-Ireland with Kildare under-20s and then did well with Wicklow, got them up to Division 3 um, in the last two years. And he's just hit the ground running in Roscommon. Um, they had a disappointing year last year. Well, th- they won the, the Division 2, um, but then were, were disappointing in Connacht when maybe a lot of people fancied them. Um, so... They, they've they've just they've they've a few young lads. Ben O'Carroll is obviously one of them. Dara Craig is going really well up front as well, and they just look to be like a team that's taken the league very seriously, and they're absolutely flying it. And I suppose they'll definitely have big ambitions this year after the disappointment of last year um, in the championship. Like they they had beaten Galway twice in the league, twice in the space of a week. Um, in 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 the closing stages of Division Two last year, so they'll be thinking like we're every bit as good as Galway. They got to an Ireland final. Um, it's time to turn the tables this year, and they've they beat them at the weekend. I think Galway are a team who are struggling. They definitely are without Shane Walsh now. Finnerty is in bother, and Damien Comer is in bother. So obviously that's going to take a lot out of them. But I think um, Roscommon. They're leading Division One, and they deserve to be, and they definitely look like a, a common team and a team to watch this year. Um, yeah, look, I I was actually one of the people that tipped him last year for um the Connacht title, and it actually seemed it, I thought they were very good throughout the league. They were so impressive. They're actually w- one of the few teams that I think can play or switch play from a running to a kicking style during the game. Um. A lot of players who've been around a while, but they consistently perform for him. So, look, mm-hmm. I think another, get, get another couple of points, the pressure's off him as well. You're safe. But 
for the likes of Roscommon get to a league final, maybe winning silverware early in the year, it'd be a huge bonus. But um, Lee Galway will be disappointed. Two games, only one point. To wait, to wait, um, a point against Mayo, I think, in the first yeah. game, and I'd say Joyce was a bit probably bewildered by how poor they were, um, the weekend, um, and the injuries aren't going to help him. No, definitely. I I think most of the credit goes towards Ross Common, like and and just how well and like now saying they're definitely taking this league seriously, and they definitely need to take the league seriously because they're sort of like. The West Brom of Gaelic football or in Norwich, you know, they're a yo-yo, they're up and yeah. down all of the time. They're, um, I remember when Armagh got the division one a couple of years ago, they were just obsessed with solidifying, you know, just just avoid relegation. Like that's that is priority one this season. And then obviously have a go at the championship, but it was just so important to secure your place there to get a second or a third season at it because you get then you get adjusted to division one football and, and that standard and that comes into championship and pays dividends. So to have four points on the board for them is, is just fantastic. But always is a worrying situation. Um, Welsh is on his travels and he's in Dubai or Australia or somewhere anyway. Um, so they'll be, uh, they'll be offering to pay for his ticket home early, you know, if he's going to be available for the Tyrone game at all. And then like what sort of, Listen, he's always in shape and he's always fantastic, but you know, he's been outside of the team and he's been playing with Kilmacud Crooks and they've been playing a very specific and peculiar system um, that we've been very well drilled. So coming into the county setup again might not be as um as fluent or as easy as, as you would imagine. Uh Finnerty looks to be in bother and I can't see to get any real update on Damian Comer. It just looked deadly serious. You know, he he, he seemed to be in Real, real bother. We sort of talked at the start of the the podcast about like how these injuries with the split season, you know, you're, they're ne- they're such a knock on effect that you're nearly out for most of the season, and you don't want to spend the early part of this year in the league and going into the championship just plugging holes and filling gaps when really you, you want your best players on the pitch, getting form, getting uh, clicking together, and then bringing that sort of unity with a clear plan into the championship. So. There is reason for Galway to be worried. Yeah, and like you said, um, Shane, I'm not sure when he'll be expected to be back in with the group, but like I said, he's away in Dublin. He's been playing with a different team and even getting back into the swing of things with your own team, uh, to be a lot expected of him, obviously, with players missing. But it'll take a bit of getting used to for him as well, playing with 15 instead of 16 for a while. So, um <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's the only joke I'm going to make on that. It was bad, but uh, <laughs> but all these, I like all that. these things. Do you like that one? It's a, it, was was a, a, it was a I thinker. Was for now. all the time from my moment. I was like, when can I get this in? <laughs> but um, no, like that. But like it'll be there'll be a lot of pressure on him now when he comes back as well. I think obviously we won't talk about the transfer and stuff, but obviously that brings a bit of unwanted attention. Um, obviously, you know, with the bad injuries that Galway are getting at the moment as well to be more expected of him so like that I'm not sure how many weeks break he's going to get but they'll want him back sooner rather than later it's, it's a I keep going back onto it it's a very condensed season you need to you need to get your form going fairly early and it's not like they can ease into it um, the Connacht Championship is a bit lopsided this year with Mayo Galway and Roscommon all on the same side Roscommon are going well Mayo seem to be getting a bit of momentum, seem to be very happy in the way they're playing. Um, so it's going to be interesting. I think Joyce will want to get him back as soon as possible. Um, but all in all, I think it's been a good start to the league. Um, 
still very hard to call it. And I'm not sure about she, but I don't know how many of them are actually aiming to win it this year. Mm. Um, would it be one of the the likes of a Ross Common or maybe an Armad or thinking, you know, we need to start getting silverware. But from a Kerry point of view, I suppose the extra game getting to a league final silverware is great because realistically Kerry mightn't get too much of a challenge until semi-final stage this year. Yeah, um, it was definitely a goal last year for Kerry. I know Jack O'Connor just coming in. It was just good to get, you know, like winning sort of breeds, winning, getting uh, trophies and trinkets and getting used to climbing them steps and stuff and getting that sort of attitude and mentality in. But, you know, with the All-Ireland already in the bank from last year, this season, it, you know, the focus may be a little bit more on just solidifying, experimenting, giving players a chance, getting the Clippers back uh, into the swing of things after such a long club season and really attacking the championship. But I do think Armagh probably, if I had to tip anyone, I was going to avoid tips after watching you sort of fall on your face. Yeah. But uh, yes. <laughs> I would say... <laughs> Uh, I, I would like Ar- Armagh take the lead very, very seriously. They always seem to be a little bit ahead, and I don't know. Even watching the game on TV at the Athletic Grounds, that place was bouncing. Like the fans, they they live for this Division One stuff, you know. Um, it felt like championship atmosphere, you know. They they bring that sort of attitude to it, so I, I would, I would fancy them to give it a real whack anyway. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting the next couple of weeks. Um, a lot of big games coming up now. Obviously, the week break and then big games in the week after but I think the performance of the week weekend came from Cork against Kildare uh, a result I don't think anyone saw coming um, a performance by Cork I don't think we saw coming and definitely the, the performance by Kildare was awful um, but again it just goes to show how inconsistent the league is um, for Kildare two games zero points all of a sudden promotion doesn't look too likely um, so where they go from here but for Cork it, it was all positive Sean Potter being moved to centre forward is a, is a great move he's so energetic so lively um, put his, puts his body where most people don't want to do it probably why he picks up so many injuries but if they can keep him fit he'll be a huge addition to them he will he will um, yeah Cork turned it around Uh I think everyone was was critical of them last week, and that was probably the 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 rocket up the backside that they needed. Um, I'd say, and it definitely it definitely drove them on. Kildare, it was various points. It took them it took them twenty eight minutes until they got their their first score. So this was a shocking performance from them. And uh, I'm not sure did you see Glenn Ryan's interview after? Uh, yeah. I think it was Damien O'Mara and RT asked him. Have you pinpointed where it went wrong? And he was just there, no. And a big <laughs> and a big long pause, and like we're, we're working on it. So he's fairly tense in them, and I'd say I would not have liked to have been in that uh, Kildare dressing room after that game yesterday. Jesus, no. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I wouldn't have liked to have been interviewing him. To be fair, yeah. Um, but even from Cork's point of view, like having Hurley up front, he obviously has. Sherlock beside him now as well and O'Mahony who I think is very exciting maybe they can share out the burden a small bit because they have been very reliant on Hurley the last couple of years um, Lee Yeah definitely I mean Stephen Sherlock is, is probably the biggest fan I think he, he scored like 14 points last week or something ridiculous like that so you know you don't want to be too over reliant on him either but see just getting a player who's like 
so clinical on the dead ball um, and, and just a real sharp shooter. Like it was the same with Derry when they sort of unearthed Shane McGuigan as well. Do you know, it, it just makes all the difference and you can build nearly around that because you guarantee at least, you know, eight to ten scores out of these lads. Um, and then you can focus on sort of the systems of play and, and trying to get the best out of everyone else. Uh, it's exciting to see Cork. Like I, I, I'm sure from a Kerry point of view, I know like normally you wouldn't want to see them doing too well, like just historically. But it's good for Monster for a team like I think Kerry, the only Monster team in Division One at the minute. You know, you, you need that sort of competitiveness, and, and Cork are the the closest thing he's maybe got at the minute. So, like, I mean, what's your feeling watching Cork at the minute? Is there a part of you that actually wants them to kick off? Yeah, to be, be honest, I've been saying it for the last couple of years. I want them to kick on. I can't understand how they had fallen so far behind. And sometimes I think people probably think we're being a bit smart and enjoying it. But like, I, I, when I came on the scene, like it was the Kerry Cork Munster Championship games were unbelievable. Like you couldn't split the teams in Munster, um, and the atmosphere used to be amazing. Um, so the fact that they'd fallen so far behind, like it did carry no favours. Um, I think everyone wanted, and obviously, look, Tipperary um, won a Munster a couple of years ago. Obviously, Sweeney's out now for them, so that's going to put them back. Uh, Limerick are finding it going very tough so far in Division 2. Clare are consistently performing in Division 2, but Kerry definitely need Munster, or need Cork back in Munster. You know, and the Munster champion, Championship needs them back. So, look, Hopefully it wasn't just a one-off game for him. It's hard to know with Kildare. Sometimes Kildare are just that inconsistent. Um, but from a Kerry point of view, I think most people would be happy to see Cork playing well and hopefully coming into the month's championship with confidence. But going back to Kildare, like you had Alex Burns' red card, just what is it, a token gesture, little kick, and a, a frustration. But where... They look like they were going places. They look like they were improving. And then, is it an attitude thing you'd have to ask yourself after a while? Like, kind of going, why can't they get this consistency going? Yeah, well, well first I... of all, on that, the Alex, the, sorry, Lee, um, the Alex Burner card, lads, I've never seen anything like it. Like, he <laughs> he barely <laughs> even touched your man. Um, I would, be, you'd be given out if you got a yellow card for that. I couldn't believe, I know it's probably, it's, it's a rule, obviously, you can't strike, but like there has to be some common sense. Like, that was the most harmless little tap of a kick. I'd say Alex Byrne was even embarrassed himself to be sent off for that. Like, you'd, if you're getting a red card, you might as well have hit someone hard. Like. Yeah, it actually happened last year. Maybe it was a wee bit more contact, but Brian Kennedy for Tyrone against Derry. Um, he did something similar. I think he actually just missed the way he did go to kick him. <laughs> but uh, letter of the law, I think it is like a kick in motion. You know, it's still stupid. Like, what was he doing? You know, like, like you say, he made as well have went for him. Um, it was yeah. a really bizarre one. But in, in terms of Kildare and, and like, is it an attitude thing or something? I don't know. I mean, maybe it's a systemic thing. You know, if they don't have like a real well drilled in game plan to sort of fall back on when the individuals aren't performing, uh, then they all just sort of fall apart because, you know, you've got like, Flynn and you know the likes of them the, the talent is just there and the, the forwards they have are, are Highland and all like they're fantastic but to see them struggle so much they did not take it took well over 20 minutes for them to get their first score as well it's just so bizarre was that game not at home as well for them it was yeah, that was yeah, game. I, yeah. I mean that's just shocking like I mean you imagine going to see that game 
it, with everything you'll expect of Kildare and watching them in recent years, thinking that you're going somewhere and building that that that's probably yeah, Monaghan's one thing, but there I'd say Kildare are probably the biggest disappointment this weekend. Yeah, um, look, we're kind of running all the time, but elsewhere in Division Two, um, Derry just about got over the line, um, against Mickey Hart's load, um, they've no points at the moment, load, but they're playing, they're playing quite well. Performances have been decent, so I don't think they'll be getting too worried just yet. But like in two weeks' time, they'll need to be picking up um, a couple of points. Uh, but Derry, like, I suppose, if you were putting, if you were a betting man, you'd have put your money on Dublin and Derry to get promoted. And at the moment, Derry are looking good to go up. Nile, um, Connor Glass is captain. Um, didn't take much of a break. Back at it straight away. Um, you just hope that come the business end of the year that he doesn't kind of hit that bit of a brick wall with a bit of tiredness and fatigue. Yeah, you'd hope so. Um, we talked about that uh, last week. It was a bit mad that himself and Ethan Doherty were playing, but um, they were back in anyway. And yeah, they, they sort of struggled. It looked like Loud were going to, to pull off a bit of a shock there. But Derry, they, like any good team, I suppose, and they they're clearly are a very good team, they steadied the ship and they got back on top. And yeah, I don't think I don't think anyone uh, would be looking forward to facing Derry, uh, Dublin included. They they just seem to be so confident in that system that they have, and I'd say they're 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 definitely a very hard team to to beat. And they have a lot of lads on form up in the forwards, like so Shane McGuigan. Um, so you definitely have them as favourites. Um, with 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 Dublin for for making that uh, Division Two final, um, and looking forward to looking ahead to the championship, they're they're the bookies' favourites. I was checking that this morning because I was only thinking how how tight it is up in Ulster, but um, the bookies have Derry uh, favourites just ahead of Tyrone and Armagh, and you'd have to say even though they are in Division Two, it's probably um, rightly so that they are favourites to to retain that crown. Lee might know know more about it. Yeah, uh, probably so. I mean, like you, you imagine that they they'd only want to kick on a, and develop even further from last year. Uh, obviously very defensive. They talk about a running game, playing it through the hands and stuff. But it's just they lacked like a plan B or C. You know, as we saw when when they came up against Galway. Like I just remember thinking in that game, the semi final last year, when they were desperate for a goal, we kick the thing first of all, and like why not throw Connor Glass into the mixer that like he's one of the best ball winners in the game and just launch it into them and see what happens like they they're so like they're they're nearly too well drilled that they they don't want to cause any chaos even if it could potentially benefit them it's, it's a bit strange so that may be something they're trying to bring in uh this year one thing i've noticed about Derry and like this could i, I have not stat checked this this is completely from memory so i could be so wrong but i'm going to say it anyway is that every time i go to check their results and I often have to check them because they've been in Division 2 and 3 in recent years, so they're not always televised. Uh, they seem to get a penalty every game. It's, it's like, that's what it feels like. It's, every time I check it, it's like, Shane McGuigan penalty. Like that's in, in recent years now, someone's definitely going to tweet me and say there's only been two in the last year or something ridiculous like that. But it's, it's a bet I'm going to put on in a couple of weeks. Like, dare you to score Shane McGuigan penalty? Like, it, it seems, maybe it's, it's the way they play football and they're, and they're driving through such pace and stuff that, you know, uh, they like to. They're definitely a pass it to the shooters kind of guy. So they work the ball a lot in the forward area. Someone will sort of draw the foul, but um, it's just my own little something I had to get off my chest and, and see it play out. So you're just throwing it out there that they're playing yeah. for penalties in every game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Well, they'll have a tough one um, in the next game against Mead, who had a good win against Clare. Um, banging in goals they are as well. The 4-8. In fairness to Clare, like you kick 16 points, you're thinking good chance of winning, but conceding four goals. But like that, it'll be interesting to see how Culmerook sets up against uh, Derry in that game. Uh, it should be a good one because like that, both teams look look to be well-placed to go up as well. So Culmerook, it's had a great start to life as Mead manager as well. And I suppose a team that are struggling down there, Limerick, um, had done so well under Billy Lee and obviously he's moved on and they're up to Division 2 but Dublin um, took him to the cleaners the weekend as well um, like a lot of these games for Dublin I do think it'll be just going through the motions mm-hmm. um, to be fair the team that Desi had out the weekend was fairly unrecognisable but the three main guys were there Finton Con and um, geez, my head's gone blank no um, who's the one I'm missing Kilkenny, no? Kilkenny, there we go. Couldn't think of it. I was like, but jeez, what's his name? Um, you don't watch Division 2. Yeah, I was like, what's that? But um, yeah, look, like that, they, they kind of steamrolled Limerick early days. Uh, Limerick put up a bit of fight in the second half, but I do think Dublin, the only worry for Dublin is, will they be up to the pace of it when they get a real challenge? Because like that, a lot of these games, Desi's getting to try out new lads and whatever, but there's no test in it from. Yeah, yeah, it's going. It's going to be a bit of a, <clears throat> a like a jump up in class, I suppose. Like playing in the Leinster Championship is going to be similar to um, Division Two, but it it will be some jump up in class then when they um, move on to that uh, the group stage in the All Ireland. Like so, that could um, yeah, that could come back to you know they won't be they won't be used to it. The type of like the intensity we've seen in Mayo Galway the first week or Mayo Armagh just off the top of my head, it's it's night and day to what Dublin are playing there at the minute. Like and uh they didn't look too too great against Kildare. That was obviously the first time out. Um they look good against Limerick, but like Dublin against Limerick, that's a, a f- nearly a foregone conclusion um from the start. Like so and, yeah, I mean, it'll be, it'll, with all respect, they go into Leinster, which isn't exactly the most competitive championship as well so you know they're really not really getting a test until you know the latter stages of the championship when they could be caught cold and, um it could be a case of too little too late you know they'll really want to be getting these competitive games in yeah hundred oh, percent um i suppose look we're running out of time but elsewhere kevin have um started the season well not a good win the weekend uh westmead um got a good win they had a poor start against kevin in the first game but uh, they, had a, they had a big win against Longford. And um, give a mention, I suppose, to Down, who left it late, but massive. Um, well done to Connor Laverty, the job he's doing there. And, do you know, when someone said to me, ah, they were lucky enough to win it, I said, it doesn't matter. Them games will build so much confidence and character in that dressing room. And it seems to be that that was something that was lacking over the last number of years. And, when you win a game that maybe you're a bit lucky to win it or maybe don't deserve to win it, but you come out with the two points, um, you'd be absolutely buzzing like that to get a two-week break now to get back in the training field. So um, a lot of positives for the lads above and down. What do you reckon, Lee? Will they be a dark horse for Ulster? Yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll 100% be more competitive than they've been in, in recent years. You know, like it's... They've just been a complete write-off. Um, they've been so, so disappointing. And there's such a massive... Football and county as well, you know, they live and breathe it. Uh, so to see them 
been represented so poorly in recent years has, has just been has been tough to watch. Conor Laverty will definitely bring that sort of winning mentality, you know, with like that that Kilku mentality, and you know, just and introducing the players in from there, and that sort of never day attitude. Like they, they didn't have that last season or the or the year before. The I mean, getting relegated from Division Two, they're definitely too good a side from it. Uh, Pat Havering has been playing some fantastic stuff for them up front. Is sort of on earth like a, a real target man there and they've got a game plan it seems going forward with them and like even though Antrim were winning and they were playing very well you know it, it didn't look like down were ever out of the game the, the you know maybe like the, a belief was just there even watching them and like and obviously we have nothing to do with the inside of the camp um they just have something's clicked uh, a bit of steeliness has been added to them and I don't even know how a new manager could bring that in so instantly but there does seem to be something about getting a bounce off of a new man coming in, whether it's trying to impress him to get the thing going, or you just respect him so much because you know what he's achieved in the game. And uh, have you ever got a manager in Darn where like you got an instant bounce straight away just because of the the name rather than anything else? Um, I don't think so, to be honest. Because to be fair, I was lucky enough that I came into a, during a period where Kerry were strong, and it was always a case of just carrying on, carrying on momentum. Mm-hmm. Um, like that, I suppose when Eamon came in. He, when he retired, he went straight into the management team as selector and then he went in as manager. So there was a kind of a continual process there. But I suppose when you have a manager that you would have played for or played recently, there is that, not not that you don't have respect for other people, but there is that extra bit of respect because he's literally just done what you're trying to do and that's there. But I've never really had that kind of manager bounce where, you know, he picks things off the ground and all of a sudden the momentum gets going. Fortunately, fortunately for me, Kerry were never in that position to need it. But um, you do see it. You see it all the time in soccer as well. And sometimes it wears wears off after a while. But uh, I was meant to ask you before we finished up if any of you have a two euro coin. Because if you do, we can get a hurling National League medal. Um, I don't think David Fitz was too happy with the comment by Anthony Daly. But uh, I said I'd ask just in case you wanted to buy one. I have to convert it into sterling here, so I'm trying to. <laughs> I'd say if the hurling one was worth two euro, um, as a hurling man, the football one must be only worth about what a euro or something, fifty cents. Oh, this is a football podcast. No, you, you take that back. Okay, just for those who think that we're all football bias here, we do have an hurling expert in Niall McIntyre, so we'll cover some of the stuff at the weekend, and obviously the big one being Cork v Limerick. Looked a bit of a dead duck at half time. Limerick were on fire, but Cork really came back into it. It was a great watch. Yeah, um, well, I know you were watching this match too, Lee, so I'm uh, looking forward to gathering a bit of your uh, expertise as well. But um, no, it was. It was. Uh, it turned out to be a brilliant game. And a lot of these matches in Porky Cueve under the lights, I, d- I don't know about you, but it's just, uh, it, it sets it up absolutely brilliantly. And the game really did take off in the second half. Um, I suppose Limerick taking off both Garrod Hegarty and Declan Hannan late on that did help. Um, that did help Cork to get a bit of a a footing in the game. But to be fair to Cork, they absolutely roared into it. And Robbie O'Flynn, it was such a pity to see him um, get that injury. He dislocated his ankle, and it looks like uh, he's going to be out for the for the rest of the league. Um, from now on, which is a huge loss, but he was absolutely brilliant. Every the, the first two balls he got in the second half set up goals, just took the Limerick lads on straight away. 
um, for Declan Dalton's goal, Robbie O'Flynn could easily have took his point, but um, went for the juggler, hit it across, and eventually it was a lucky break. But, um, you know, that's a good sign in a team, and he's going to be a huge loss for them for the rest of the league, but um, it's great that uh, he'll be back for the championship because he's on brilliant form. Um, it was a, it was a bit of- so it was a bit of fortune favours the brave though, wasn't it? Because at half time the RTE pundits were sort of they were just scratching their heads, being like, "Why don't Cork just go for this? Like it's the league, mm. they're eight points down or whatever it is. You know what have they got to lose? Like, and so you're saying he had the chance to take on the point, but that bit of bravery to actually just go for the goal and and sort of just say, you know, like fuck it, come on, let's just really get at these ones. That's it. That's exactly it, and it, it seemed to inspire the whole team. Then they all started to to pick it up. Um, and everyone uh, in Cork would have known about Owen Downey for the last few years. Um, he's only he's, he's still only nineteen or twenty. I think he's just gone twenty. But he was exceptional at fullback. He's been an exceptional underage player, captain Cork minor teams, and he was um got the better Seamus Flanagan, um. By by a good bit the other night he's he's an exceptional fullback. Kieran Joyce is only twenty one or two. He was centre back, so it's a very young. Um, and he was brilliant centre back. It's a very young sort of pair to have at the spinier defence. But um, they've had a lot of success underage, and um, do you know it was a great way to finish that game. Obviously, it's only the league, and we know Limerick have struggled in in previous years in the league, and it hasn't made a blind bit of difference to them when it comes down to it. But um, the win will be good for Cork. And uh, I know you had a piece on, on Patrick Corgan. You were you were impressed with his uh, performance. Oh, yeah, Patrick Corgan. He, he was just exceptional, to be fair to him. And it, it was a sweet one for him, too, just given like he's maybe been in the spotlight the last couple of weeks for the wrong reasons. He did a very, uh, what's the word, an open interview, an honest interview. Mm. Uh, you know, and he, he sort of gave the former coach, Kingston, a, a bit of a hard time. He thought he was treated unfairly last season. Um, you know, and the, and the press were sort of dug into him about that. It, like, there is a bit of a narrative that he threw the toys out of the pram a little. So for him to go out there and, and play the game he did, he, 10 points, I think it was like five from play, five from freeze, you know, sweet down the middle. Um, and they addressed it in the interview afterwards, you know, and uh, <laughs> he used to say, like, your typical sort of sportsman answer, wasn't it? Like, the only thing he's trying to do is think about becoming a better player and helping the team and all of that stuff. But he would have been very satisfied with that performance. Yeah, I kind of liked the way he, he answered. He didn't really, he didn't, it was a brave enough question to ask. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was Damien O'Mara again, but I don't think Horgan didn't really mind it. You know, he just kind of took it. And um, he definitely let his hurling do the talking um, the other um, the other night. And I suppose then from from that interview, there was another kind of a, <laughs> a bit of a headline one as well, which was Davy Fitz. And Davy Fitz is always in the headlines, uh, of course yeah. he is. Um, he was he was hitting out at Anthony Daly, who had said that our se- about the league that our second most important inter county medal now seems to contain as much value as a loose two euro coin. Um, <laughs> Davy wasn't too happy about that one, um, and he whatever, um, he he hit back. He, he did hit Daly fairly hard actually. He said. Yeah. Uh, after Dublin's draw at Waterford, he said, uh, there was one stupid comment I heard that it's the same as a two-euro coin. You win a National League. I didn't win one. I'd love to have won one. It's not the same as not Ireland. It's not the same as a Munster. And he's right there, in fairness. Um, but Davy continues, probably coming after that, it isn't bad. And I wouldn't devalue what the boys did last year. 
fair play to them. So someone making a comment like that is pretty stupid, especially probably that they never won one themselves. Um, so whatever was going on between Davy and Anthony, um, between themselves, uh, we'll leave that. But I suppose the, the question is, is the Hurling League a bit of a joke? And um, it definitely does. Uh, it definitely does seem that way at the minute. Um, so, there's definitely an air of like there's a lack of importance about it, isn't it? Like when you even hear about the scores and stuff, there's it when you, when you win it's fine and when you lose it's ah it's only the league. Do you know there's that sort of attitude? Well, that's exactly it. Um, because like without wishing to offend Leash, um, Westmead or Antrim, like one of them three is going to go down. Like and that's just that's just a hunt. That's just going to happen. Um. Mm-hmm. Leash and Antrim are in the they're in the Group B um table, so one of them won't go into that relegation playoff. But in fairness, Antrim Antrim put up a great performance against Kilkenny, and they're only two points down with uh, a few minutes left. But on the other side, um, Tipperary beat Leash by twenty points, and Clare beat Westmead by twenty five. So like these teams we seen last year. When Waterford won the league, they had a disastrous championship. Um, and the narrative was that they went too hard at the league and ran out of gas. So it seems that hurling managers, and with good reason, you'd have to say, like, aren't taking it that seriously because they don't have to. They can cruise through, like Limerick did last year, mm-hmm. and they just beat Limerick, or they just beat Offaly in one game and that was them safe so it it is a bit of a joke and uh i don't know whether that says i'm agreeing with anthony daly that is it is has as much value as a two euro coin you know yeah yeah i mean it maybe could have said it a little bit more uh nicely but the, the two euro coin it's, yeah. it's still good anything that gets davy fits up and going is is worthless maybe a five a five euro note maybe yeah a five euro note at least <laughs> at least it's worth that <laughs> um and then on to Kilkenny and Tipperary, they've got new players stepping up that seem pretty exciting. Definitely. Well, Billy Drennan is a man in Kilkenny who they've been talking about for a long time. He was a, he was a handball champion um, underage and has represented Ireland at um, various competitions in handball. Uh, so the comparisons obviously were made with, with DJ Carey um, from that perspective, who also played a lot of handball growing up. And Billy Drennan, he's filled out a huge amount now this year. He was, this is his first year on the senior panel. He was only under 20 last year. Um, and he did very well for the Kilkenny under 20s when they won the All-Ireland uh, last year. He was the key man. But he's he's just took it on another level. He's very physical, but he's so clever on the ball. He, he reminds me of um, John McGrath from, from Tipperary. And he just looks to be the new man. I seen Jackie Tyrrell was was praising him, saying basically that he has it all um, on the, on the Sunday game. And uh, Billy is definitely going to be a huge weapon for for Kilkenny. Um, he scored one eight against Antrim, one one from play. And Garrod O'Connor was the man who stepped up for Tipperary. He scored um, eleven points, hit hit uh, eight frees, and he's a, a very big man. And a player who has impressed in the in the preseason for Tipperary or in the early stage of the season, and um, you know Tipperary and Kenny, they're teams that they're obviously the traditional kingpins, but they're teams that probably do need that little bit of a kick on to 
finally match Limerick. So um, them two buys will uh, definitely do do no harm. Mm-hmm. And then the the other big game was uh, Galway and Wexford, uh, drawn at half time, but it, it sort of fell apart for Wexford after that. It did. It did. Um, it really did fall apart for Wexford. They were they were going well, but they had a lot of wides in that first half as well. And I suppose it is the the shooting is something that has um let them down. Does let them down at times. Um, in these big games, but uh, they were missing Lee Chin to be fair to them, who is their talisman and he's their main man. And uh, I suppose as important as that and else, he's their free taker. Um, so Connor McDonald was hitting them the other day, and he was he did struggle on them. Um, and yeah, Wexford Galway just gradually kind of uh, stole away from them in in that second half. Uh, Connor Whelan kind of turned it on. Um, Henry actually made three subs at half time, which suggested he wasn't too happy with how it was going um, in the first half. And one of those subs was Brian Concanon, and he completely changed the game with just uh, Everton seemed to, every ball that went in, he was nearly winning it. And he even kicked one over the bar, uh, got an unbelievable score himself. Um, so a good win for, for Galway for a finish. Um, it was a poor performance by Wexford. Um, but there'll be, you know, it's it's still it's still very early days. It's only the the first round, and you know, you you'll know more, I suppose, by by the end of the league. But um, yeah, at the same time, we might know that much either because of the way it's gone. But um, yeah, that's probably the the state of play. Yeah, you no, made it through. Uh, you made it through eleven minutes of hurling talk there, Lee. So uh, I did, I did, and I'm, I'm actually, I'm even going to end it with a bit of hurling talk because even I'll, I'll do an end of it at your own story, but it's actually a positive one. Um, so this is sort of the first league game since Damien Casey tra- tragically passed away. Jerome played London, and Casey's obviously was Jerome's uh, free taker for like the last decade, and obviously a brilliant one at that. So Mickey Little, his uh, club teammate, had to step up and. He did a fantastic job. I think he hit, it was 10 or 11 points uh, in total and they got the win in the end, which is just a, a fantastic way to, to sort of serve his memory. So, yeah, I mean, uh, a good way to, to end the show there, I think. 100%, 100%. We left Aaron out um, for the for the hurling talk. I think uh, he, he wasn't uh, he wasn't willing to, to get down and dirty with us with the hurling, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll leave it to Darren and he'll wrap it up and, and we'll leave it there. Well, that's all we have time for on today's show. Big thanks to Lee and Niall for joining me today and I look forward to chatting to you all next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 